Hi, Greg Perry, the historic preservationist. Uh, uh, we're kind of continuing on uh, today with the uh, episode number 78, uh, talking about horological conservation restoration, but how it relates. So we're going to talk about, uh, uh, we had a board a number of years ago with some leading uh, antiquarian horological conservatives around the world, and we came up with um, some guidelines for relationships with the customer, with the custodian of the horological object. And let's, let's, uh, let's walk through some of these. Whenever possible, the owner or custodian of an antique clock or watch brought in for attention should be able to discuss all aspects of the work involved, including cost with the person who will be actually carrying it out. In some cases, it may be acceptable that the workshop supervisor should carry out this task, provided that the latter is himself fully competent in the skills required and fully acquainted with the abilities of the craftsman at the bench to whom he will delegate the work. It is never satisfactory, satisfactory for important and potentially expensive work to be received from a customer by a counterattendant, so to speak, who is not himself a fully competent restorer. And we're, what we're trying to do here, we're actually using the word restorer um, in place of conservator, restore, repair. So restore is kind of a or preservationist. So restore is, is, uh, is wearing three or four different hats. So let's talk about the preliminary examination of the object. The preliminary examination of the object should ideally be made in front of the client. Any obvious defects such as cracked dials and damaged cases, etc. can then be pointed out and the probable nature and extent of the essential work indicated. Desirable, though, non-essential work can also be discussed. This is the stage at which advice can be given. Important decisions concerning the wishes of the former and attitudes of the standard of the latter. If these cannot be made compatible, the restorer should decline to take on the work, explaining the reasons for his inability to do so. The restorer should also specifically and, spe and specify to the client what work would have to be done or sent out to other outsourcers, such as gilders, painters, dials, and case repair people. In cases where the object is the property of an institution rather than an individual, it is sometimes not possible to follow this procedure because no single person exists who is responsible for its care. The rest restorer's integrity is then called upon to its fullest extent in the manner in which he approaches the task. In such circumstances, it is usually best to be in communication with the person involved in day-to-day -day security care and maintenance of the horological object, and it is important that the restorer should ask to be informed of any changes that may take place in the personal involvement of what he would know to be and whom to discuss any developments in the work as it proceeds and to whom to make his final report to. Estimates and Standard Conditions of Acceptance Before embarking on any work, the restorer should first examine the record, or I'm sorry, record the condition of the object in detail. The client should be sent a copy of this report, together with recommendations for treatment 
and a fair estimate of the cost involved and the completion date. For clarity, and to avoid no misunderstanding, it is wise to state what work will be done, especially when non-essential work or only a partial restoration has been requested. Specific estimates for insurance purposes, such as treatment needed after removal damage, should be itemized and costed separately. The client should understand that this is not a firm estimate or final cost. If extra work is found to be necessary, he should be informed of this and the additional cost, therefore, the work should be started and continued. Standard conditions of acceptance should be given with the estimate to cover any problems which may arise between the restorer and the client. These may include arrangements for insurance, notice of flexibility of final cost, and completion date and arrangements for collection and settlement of accounts. The records of work. Once a record has been made of the initial condition of the object and the necessary work that has been authorized by the client, an itemized list must be kept. For example, on a worksheet or a diary of the work carried out, including the methods and materials used. In some cases, a technical report Detailing measurements, train counts, and other data may be desirable. When the work is completed, a treatment report should be filled in and from the details in the worksheet or desk diary, to which may be added any photographs which have been taken. It should be stressed that all information pertaining to a client's property should be treated as confidential to the client and not to be seen or become available to other parties. Any research carried out or passing of information to other persons or bodies for the purpose of historical record must only be with, with one of the owner's permission and viewing by them the object only allowed under supervision of the restorer. Records and reports are discussed more fully later on in this, this dissertation or this uh, edition. Accidental breakage or damage the restorer should, make, should undertake to make good, free of charge, any accidental breakage or damage which may occur to an object while it is in his or her care, and should ensure that all outworkers operate in a similar policy. It is recommended that the owner be informed of any such circumstances and, and uh, additional works done. If major damage or breakage occurs, the restoration of which would fundamentally alter the nature or value of the object, the owner should be consulted immediately before any further work is proceeded with so that all possible avenues of action may be discussed. It may be advisable to have insurance to cover if your valuable or rare item is being worked on, and that's for the custodian. Payments, records, and guarantees. Full payment should be required when the object is collected or delivered. The fee should take into account the time and labor involved, cost of materials and wastage, novelty and difficulty of problems, comparative charges, and the risk involvement in treating works of high value. Restorers should be fair to both their customers and to themselves and, and neither over time or overestimate or even undervalue their services. Set fees for particular categories of work are not recommended. When work is collected and paid for, 
the client should be given a receipted invoice and copies of the treatment report and photographs where relevant. The, rest the restorer should make clear to the client that he will willingly and freely correct any, any defects or faults which may develop within a reasonable period of time and which are attributable to his work. The duration of this liability may be at the discretion of the restorer. Valuations. When giving valuations, the restorer must be aware of the possibility of their implications. He should never inflate the valuation of an object in order to justify the cost of treatment given or to be undertaken. Unless he has specific knowledge or current market values, he should refer the client to the appropriate specialist. In, if given, the valuation should include a statement indicating whether it applies to the cost of replacement or the salesman or sale room show, showroom values.